no kink shaming, but also if whatever you're into, you just are so fucking clumsy about it, maybe hmm, stop doing it or, you know, get good. No, nobody's good on their first choking, but this will sound a lot worse than I thought when I started talking. They would grade us on our practical skills. So the teaching assistant was the one that gave us the grade uh, in what we actually knew, like the practical knowledge of anatomy. It's worse and worse. You have to go and tell your boss, I would like, I mean, I just met somebody. I would like to see how they are. I don't want to declare our relationship because maybe I will hate him after one dinner date because whatever he smells, I don't know. Welcome to Totally Unrelated. My name is Diana. And I am Irina. And we have something special for today. We have our first trigger warning episode. Ooh. And Ooh. for... <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> not, not really the occasion to celebrate, but uh, for anyone making a scene about... Ooh, why do you need trigger warnings, you delicate danger flake? Uh, it's uh, because, you know, on our podcast, we care about not being a-holes to those who live with trauma. And, uh, you know, here's a house rule. Nobody cares if you just don't get it or you don't think that something should affect someone that much. So shove it. Uh, <laughs> like I said, this episode will have a trigger warning and it's for several things. Uh, sexual harassment, abuse, uh, suicide and a dash of transphobia because I don't know, I guess it's the flavor of the day. So uh, definitely not an episode for everyone, uh, but you you, you know what's, what's what's funny me as a person who is a spoiler whore in general. I also love <laughs> trigger warnings because like I just want to know what everything will be about and if it's good and if I care about like before I invest. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know, like, like what what is wrong with knowing everything? Like, I am that kind of person that will most likely know the end before I watch a movie or before I read a book. <laughs> so, so you mean trigger warnings as a form of spoilers, and you like spoilers? Yes. So I wanted to have a conversation about the very popular uh, boogeyman of our times, uh, namely cancel culture. Oh yeah, that thing, that thing that never existed before like five years ago. Yes, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what is it and how do we eat it? <laughs> how come, and this is sort of what the big question for me is uh, while bringing this up, how come some people are so worried about the well-being, uh, you know, the whole shebang, physical, mental and financial, of those accused of various misconducts and abuses, while also failing to consider the damage already experienced by the abused. It's a mystery. Mm, so it will be interesting to explore the thin line between the righteous outpouring of anger towards powerful or influential individuals and, uh, you know, just people piling on, which is also a thing. Let's, let's, let's be honest. Yeah, no, it. It, it, it definitely is a thing. And I can agree with the fact that the piling on is a thing of like our times because it was kind of difficult in the 1800s to pile on on somebody from a different continent. But you can definitely do that now. <laughs> yes, but you could pile on in a very sort of direct and palpable way when you were 
were witnessing an execution and you were in the crowd and shouting, burn the witch or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) True, true that, true that. Okay. (laughs) I I feel like it was more experiential that way. And (laughs) (laughs) anywho, so (laughs) people are people are more about getting out of the house and doing something, you know, like outside. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and once again, um, I, I thought it would be a good idea to use an article as a roadmap for this discussion, because otherwise we're all over the place. We'll still be all over the place, but structure is important. So <laughs> uh, I found this article uh, by Anne Applebaum, a historian. And to me, that's funny, given what follows and herbs somehow a lack of historical perspective, although I'm sure she knows her history, but like she forgets it somehow along the way. Uh, and she's also <laughs> and she's also a staff writer at The Atlantic, uh, and her piece is titled The New Puritans. So buckle in, uh, because this will be a feast of a grown-ass woman calling Twitter the new public square. And, you know, something, something, oh God. frozen peaches, something, something. Yeah. I, I, I will put the link in the description, so no worries, you can follow along. Uh, and uh, it will be a good letter, a, a good idea to follow along because there will be quite a few things that we won't be able to touch upon because it's uh, the article itself is quite long and we don't want this uh, podcast to go on and on and on. We don't? And that was my phone. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I should put it on silent. <laughs> okay, so um, are you ready to jump in? Yes, I am. One second. Okay. <coughs> <coughs> see, see, see. I needed to check. <laughs> I was holding that in. Okay, so Applebaum starts off with a quote from the Scarlet Letter about all the different ways a social exclusion can manifest itself, from people treating you as an untouchable, unfrequentable mess to being physically moved to the margins of society. She says that we shouldn't pat ourselves on the back thinking that this sort of behavior is a thing of the past because Twitter and cancel culture. (laughs) Uh, But she doesn't stop there and tries to enforce her argument by highlighting that the mob's outrage does not stop when you log out. So, you know, she 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 sort of uh, anticipates this criticism that you can just log off uh, or not voice your opinions on fucking Twitter, which we've argued is probably one of the worst places to Yeah, it's definitely it's it, yeah. it's Twitter is just trash. <laughs> So uh, she says that uh, this cancel culture thingy has spread its nasty tentacles into the real world through HR departments and investigative committees that act like a faceless bureaucracy, passing judgment without allowing the defendant to make a case. She then goes on. How much intellectual life is now stifled because of fear of what a poorly worded comment would look like if taken out of context and spread on Twitter? All the intellectual life that would have been available to us on Twitter, can you realize? You yeah, know? I mean, <laughs> all the intellectual content on Twitter that we are missing on because of this. Oh my God! Oh, okay, Twitter is the new Britannica. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I, if 
you know why I'm like this auntie that doesn't really know much about like what kids play with these days, but how many mm. words are you allowed these days to use on one tweet? Uh, I think they've doubled it to 200 and something, 250. It used to be 125 maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Okay. I, I'm an auntie too, so, so I don't know. <laughs> so like the, the, something along those lines. So those are characters, like 200 something characters, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's like still just like a few words of all yeah. the all like you would really distill down all the intellectual idea within you yeah yeah so uh she continues to answer that question i spoke with more than a dozen people who were either victims or close observers of sudden shifts mm -hmm. <laughs> in social codes in america no one quoted here anonymously or by name has been charged with an actual crime let alone convicted in an actual court all of them dispute the public version of their story several say they have been falsely accused others believe that their sins have been exaggerated or misinterpreted by people with hidden agendas okay um, yeah yeah well uh, <laughs> obviously uh when it comes to looking into the cases of those anonymously quoted we can't really do much but take her at her own word but when it comes to the people she did name like i said we won't be able to cover all of her examples here but i encourage you to google them because you'll find out in the majority of these cases at least that the misdemeanors aren't quite as vague and uh, the complaints quite as unreasonable as the author lets on even if it even if it were true i mean even if it were true if i have a question about an idea that I think it's like so widespread and I will be like and just to clarify this um, world wide thing I will ask 12 people that I know what they think <laughs> because like she she, she she says she just discusses this with a dozen people so it, it will definitely be a dozen people that are willing to talk to her so mm -hmm. it's selection bias yeah. it's a really small number of people you know Uh, so it's like, okay, so maybe you uh, actually, I, I, I will not comment on what actually is about to follow, but like, even if you actually find like 10 people who, you know, had a really shitty experience on Twitter, because I am sure they exist. I mean, I, uh, um, I don't even know why she selected people that are actually, you know, um, have uh, like dubious <laughs> claims about their, uh, let's say, innocence. I am sure uh, one can find at minimum a dozen people that have been shitted upon on Twitter for no reason. But like, what sort of proof is that of what? Other yeah. than of Twitter being trash, you know? And and to me, it seems very... I mean, it's not like she claims to be unbiased necessarily, but if you're talking about cases of abuse of or alleged abuse, it just seems like it's obvious that you are taking someone's part when you <clears throat> bemoan the fate and uh, the treatment of the accused party without also uh, maybe communicating or getting into contact with mm -hmm. the person who was abused and maybe also see what their side of the story is sure i mean it would have been a lot more honest if she was like look these are 12 people i know so i believe they're them my because friends. i know them you know so <laughs> yeah they're my friends or they're people yeah. i identify with because i yeah. think this is uh, in many cases what 
this is about uh, it's not like you have uh, or 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 she has conclusive evidence to prove that the allegations are false but i don't appreciate something that applebaum seems to do repeatedly in her text uh, which i'm not sure is intentional or just a bad ha- habit but what she will do is she will start off by quoting someone she has named and their case and sort of glossing over it, going like, well, they are supposed to have done this or that, but we cannot really know for sure if that's the case. Again, if you Google it, chances are you will at least think that, well, there's something suspicious about that case, and surely it would need to be looked into at least. But anyhow, anyhow, what she then goes on to do is that she will, within the same paragraph, she will then continue with a different case by by a source that is anonymous. And that case, obviously, because you cannot check, uh, you will just have to take her word for it. And those cases usually seem to be much more straightforward in the sense that it does feel like, oh, this is a very disproportionate reaction by the mob. Mm. Uh, And so if you're not uh, particularly attentive while you're reading it, the two cases just sort of blend together and you end up with the impression that, oh, well, golly gee, I I mean, this sounds bad. These people are out of control. That that sounds like really bad reporting. Mm. So, like I said, we won't be able to cover everything, but let's start with the first uh, case. And that is the firing of New York Review of Books editor Ian Bruma. Um, the way Applebaum tells it, the man lost his job not because of having done anything illegal, but he because he commissioned and published an article from a guy that was acu- accused of sexual misconduct. And get this, several choking attempts by at least 17 women. Okay. Uh, now... The accused wanted to inject some nuance into the story, you know, because when you have 17 women telling the world you wanted to choke them, you need to debate the finer points of putting your hands around someone's neck and thrusting down on their windpipes. Well, <laughs> now, to be fair, I like I haven't Googled this guy and I have no idea what this is about, but there, there really can be a finer point. Was this, this uh, you know, erotic asphyxiation in a consensual <laughs> kind of way? And maybe he was like just bad at it, <laughs> and, you know? Um, or are we talking like we were talking about coffee and I said I don't like coffee and all of a sudden I had hands around my neck. <laughs> <laughs> so you know there might there might be a slight difference depending on what we're talking about because it seems rather weird to just go around choking people like how, how do you end up choking somebody yeah but I, I i mean even if it's within a bdsm context for instance i mean 17 times and goes wrong you you might think that maybe i need to to what i mean is like if, if if that's what you're into sexually, it will be probably like even hundreds of hundreds of times. The I mean, it does matter how this how this came to be, but no matter what. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but also maybe if seventeen plus women disagree, you're bad at. You yeah, know, stop, uh, this stop, choking stop, thing. Stop Maybe doing stop it. doing it. Stop. Just like obviously, even I'm not, you know, not no king shaming, but also if whatever you're into, you just are so fucking clumsy about it. Maybe, hmm, maybe 
stop doing it or you know get good get, get good yeah 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 this, this is what i was going to say like no, <laughs> nobody's good on their first choking but <laughs> <laughs> but if you try try again yeah yeah <laughs> uh, maybe that maybe this is what uh, his mindset and uh, this is what led to <laughs> getting okay. into trouble uh so uh mr bruma thought Oh, you know, this guy who also is a Canadian broadcaster, so I, I'm guessing mildly popular at least, uh, this guy needs more exposure for his side of the story. And, you know, sure, uh, some of uh, my other colleagues feel like it might not be a good idea. And uh, also one of the women, one of his victims contacted me and told me uh, she was outraged because her abuser was trying to garner sympathy while uh, she and other victims do, did not have a similar platform to talk about uh, their experience. But, you know, what do these dimwits know about freedom of speech? Ooh, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, this is all about freedom of speech and uh, not about helping out a fellow public uh, figure, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, to be fair, I mean, fair, I, I understand that Buruma did offer the woman a column as well that would have been published following the broadcaster's piece, uh, but I I don't think that makes up for it. So there is yeah. no way you can make up for it for the fact that you are famous and the other person is not. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, like this is just unfair and it will remain unfair, and the famous person will always have you know the extra something whenever they voice an opinion. That's just it. Yeah, so, you you know, already the game is uh, sort of rigged in, in the favor of the person who was the alleged abuser. So, yeah, why you feel the need to tip the skills even more is, yeah. Uh, okay, so another case uh, Applebaum cites is that of Peter Ludlow, a philosophy professor at Northwestern, who lost two book contracts after the university forced him out of his job for two alleged instances of sexual harassment, which he denies. Okay, so what I could find in, uh, in my research about this is that there was a student who asserted that Ludlow had assaulted her. So, you know, uh, she accepted an invitation to an art exhibit and then they sort of did a pop crawl or something. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah never, ne uh, he never pop crawl with your students. Yeah, uh, no. yeah, and uh, he bought her alcohol and then ignored her repeated requests to return to Evanston and took her to her apartment where she lost consciousness. Uh, so after an investigation, the university found that Ludlow had violated its sexual harassment policy. So it, it wasn't just made up. Uh, there was an investigation and he was mm -hmm. found guilty. But, you know, he didn't violate the sexual harassment policy enough to be fired so he got a sort of slap on the wrist and got away with it for the first time and you know he wasn't promptly executed as applebaum seems to suggest mm -hmm. um and then two years after this incident the university investigated ludlow again after a philosophy graduate lodged a complaint that he had non-consexual sex with her I'm sorry, non-consexual sex? I mean, that's rape. Yeah. What, what does non-consexual sex yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what yeah. is that? <laughs> yeah. So, 
she was in two minds about it. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, okay. Yeah. So if uh, you're um, if you want to get uh, a bit more pissed about the situation, there's this colleague of Ludlow named Laura Kipnis who defended him by saying, uh, "Female university students should be responsible for their own decisions about whether to date a professor." <laughs> and argued that you have to feel a little sorry these days for professors married to their former students. They used to be respectable citizens, and now they are abusers of power. <laughs> okay, Laura. Uh, <laughs> I mean, suppose we forget about the whole discussion about whether or not it's a good idea for teachers to date students they directly supervise. But even so, maybe once you agreed to go out on a date, you are still allowed to change your mind and not want to pursue the dalliance further, right? I mean, okay, so you've signed up for a date and now you are fair game for whatever happens. Like, why feel sorry for professors married to their former students? What, what, what is the shit? Like, oh my God, they're such yeah, victims. Def- yeah, definitely those two things are not, are not related. But, um, like, I, I understand uh, some sort of discussion about, you know, is it or is it not uh, okay for, for people who are not necessarily professors, as in they're just like teachers, you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily... Because to become a professor, definitely you have to be of a certain age because you don't have the uh, academic title of professor otherwise. But... Um, when I was in uh, at, uh, at at university, you know, uh, we had the um, I guess it will be teaching assistants. The words I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, in in Romanian, preparatori și asistenții. <laughs> you know, for <laughs> for all our five listeners who are yeah Romanian, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So actually, the the age difference was not that much, and. It was like everybody hooked up with their, you know, teaching assistants. Like, that's what you yeah, but, do. <laughs> yeah, but also, I'm, I'm sorry, but like a teaching assistant's uh, power uh, in the class, well, classroom, whatever you want to call it, is not comparable really to that of a professor now, is it? Depending. I mean, um, in, in my university, in medical school, back in the dinosaur era when, you know, I went to <laughs> medical school, um, the... The teaching assistants were the ones that gave us the grades for the... This will sound a lot worse than I thought when I started talking. They would grade (laughs) us on our practical skills. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And so, um, in in uh, first year, we had, you know, anatomy being in medical school. So, the... the, the So the teaching assistant was the one that gave us the grade uh, in what we actually knew, like the practical knowledge of anatomy. It's worse and worse. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and if we didn't pass the the, the practical exam, we wouldn't uh, get to have our you know exam with the actual professor. You know the and yes, back in the day when I was in university. The exam with the professor was called an oral exam. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so so the TA was doing the warming up. Yes, uh, <laughs> and then. <laughs> 
so uh, they okay. could they could actually have a pretty big uh, impact because you could not uh, end up actually having uh, being able to sit for your exam because of your TA. And uh, it actually happened to one of my uh, colleagues and good friends. And it was uh, no kind of sexual thing involved, but uh, his mm-hmm. TA just didn't like him. And he and like um, his TA told him up front but that, you know, I don't like you. And I will not pass the, you know, I, I will not let you pass the, the, the exam because I do not like you. You shall not pass! And uh, so he, he he went to the professor and told him the story. And the professor said, like, you know, I cannot independently verify this and I cannot mm-hmm. go get over his word. But because somehow, you know, I am the big kahuna, I will let you sit for my exam, but I will deduct two points for from your grade uh, because basically you did not pass the practical exam. And um, mm-hmm. the professor let him sit for the exam and uh, my uh, my friend got an eight. So what that means for like the one people who's not Romanian listening to us, <laughs> um, the maximum Welcome, grade... by the way, if you're here. <laughs> Um, um, in, uh, in, in Romania, the maximum grade you can get, uh, for, for an exam, it's 10. So, uh, my, my friend got an eight, which meant that, uh, he, he deserved 10, like maximum grade, but because his TA didn't pass, didn't let him pass the practical exam, you know, but so th- that's not the, the worst example because the, the teacher sort of knew that something was off with the TA. That's why, mm-hmm. that, that's why he, he accepted, uh, uh, his request, you know, please let me tell, hear hear me out and see if I really mm-hmm. don't deserve to to pass this exam. So I understand the problem with I, I I can see how it can be a problem, you know. But I'm also it can also not be a problem, and I think it's it is complicated. You mean the sexual aspect and the, the sexual dating? aspect? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, what basically your example just shows is that even without the sexual uh, component of it, mm-hmm. uh, there is still abuse because yes, of the yes. fact that someone has power. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And and they they don't really have accountability because in this case, as you said, mm-hmm. the professor was aware of the fact that yes, my TA is a bit off, mm-hmm. uh, but. For some reason, which maybe is I don't know, like university politics or something, uh, yeah, exactly. didn't intervene. The, the reason was that the TA had how how we say in Romanian, he had a, uh, somebody at his back, you know. Okay, so let's uh, get on with the text. Um, there's another example. After the poet Joseph Macy was accused of harassment and manipulation by women he'd been romantically involved with, the Academy of American Poets removed all of his poetry from its website and his publishers removed his book from theirs. Now, since listeners cannot see the text, uh, I have to say that Applebaum put quotation marks around harassment and manipulation, and she does this a few times in the article for no apparent reason because it's it's not like she has evidence to dispel these accusations. And like I said, looking for the details online, again, does not refute them. But yeah. And I mean, the man himself, Macy, he uh, apparently didn't outright deny the allegations. He just said that, well, it wasn't a pattern of behavior with him and, quote, 
The part in the letter that says that I groom young women and wield my publishing record over people is not true. <laughs> so, like, the other parts are true? Like, <laughs> okay. I don't know. And, uh, you know, once again, for anyone uh, still in doubt about some of these Me too individuals' douchebaggery, uh, we aren't talking about one or two women coming forward. Not that you need a truckload of victims to ha- to be held accountable, but we're talking freaking double digits. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot harder to think that there is, like, this... Um, secret uh, meetings for women where they like 20 women go like should we do this yes Stephen Elliott a journalist and critic who was accused of rape on the anonymous shitty media list that circulated on the internet at the height of the me too conversation is now suing that list's creator for defamation Applebaum says mm-hmm Uh, Would you believe that uh, the defense of this man rests on the fact that he's a well-known male submissive in a BDSM context? Like, literally, I'm too submissive to rape, is his defense. Yes, 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 sure, because rape is about how you do sex. She continues, sometimes advocates of the new mob justice claim that these are minor punishments that the loss of a job is not serious, that people should be able to accept their situation and move on. But isolation plus public shaming plus loss of income are severe sanctions for adults with long-term personal and psychological repercussions, especially because the sentences in these cases are of indeterminate length. Uh, And she also describes some suicidal ideation or attempts at suicide that some of the accused have confessed to. And, you know, this is no laughing matter, of course, but again, it's weird to bring this up. So, you know, to be so prescient and so uh, conscious of the toll, of the psychological toll that these accusations have on the accused. And yet, again, just somehow gloss over the fact that the people who have already seen the damages being done to them uh, are the victims. And, you know, self-harm and suicide attempts for victims of abuse, that's really not an uncommon phenomenon. So this is definitely an article about, only she's not honest about it, because she was like, Mm -hmm. look, this is people I think are not actually, you know, they shouldn't be on the perpetrator's list. Uh, I believed uh, in their innocence, therefore, for if I believe that they did not do whatever they are accused mm-hmm. of doing, of course, any sort of punishment, uh, I think, is unfair. I mean, that would have been uh, yeah. a, a better way to frame this than to try to somehow be, you know, I'm this impartial person, but I only talk with the perpetrators of alleged abuse and I do not talk with their victims and... I don't, I don't care what happened with their lives. I mean, yeah, no, no, no. This is, mm-hmm. this is not the way to write a, to write the article. Either you, you, you say, you know, which actual purpose you are trying to serve with this article and then it's fine. I mean, you are allowed to write that article and say that I do not believe those people and I believe those other people. And this is why, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's fine. Yeah. But no, not, not like this. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, her her attitude uh, is all the more jarring to me because 
she she uh, doesn't even take into account or doesn't really talk about the fact that there's like a larger point to be made here and that is that for many people who are you know working for a living <laughs> yeah uh, and they don't have a career they have a job right oftentimes even just coming forward with these sort of things is a big step and it's many a times a step in their trying to recover from well recovered from trauma to 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 sort of ease their uh burden right mm-hmm. uh, and it's difficult and because when you, when you might face repercussions for speaking up uh you know you lose your job and you don't have anything else to fall back on uh even when you experience abuse uh what do you do you sort of rationalize it and you go well that was uncomfortable but it's not a big deal right and Mm -hmm. you try to convince yourself that it's maybe not what you think it was just because if you do accept that yes I was the victim of abuse and then you know I should do something about it because well you know I was harmed but uh, even apart from that it's very likely that this might happen to other people as well. Yeah, it's a pattern uh, of, of behavior. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what I'm trying to say is it's it's really difficult to be a layperson, an average person, uh, someone who's not famous, and, and to do this, despite what <laughs> uh, in the press uh, many people try to say and depict as, oh, you know, just all these crazy people coming out of the woods with their allegations and... Mm, so uh, Kipnis, our old friend, <laughs> okay, um, she was uh, not initially allowed to know who her accusers were either. She was also accused of uh, mm-hmm. stuff. Okay, okay. <laughs> Nor would anyone explain the rules governing her case. Nor, for that matter, were the rules clear to the people applying them. Because as she wrote in Unwanted Advances, because, you know, when you're cancelled, you write a book, mm-hmm. there is no established or nationally uniform set of procedures. Um, nationally uh, uniform uh, set of procedures yes this coming from an american is just hilarious um okay yeah okay (laughs) states right states right but also uniformly nationally uniformly accepted procedures oh okay okay so being serious for a moment uh, to me it seems like uh, the problems here are twofold first I'm assuming that many of these committees and HR departments don't have that much experience and a very long history of applying a coherent and cohesive protocol since we only started viewing women in the workplace as fully human fairly recently. (laughs) Uh, You know, conjugal rape was not a thing uh, until a while ago. Uh, And second, no one in these departments is actually concerned about either the victim or finding out the truth. Let's be honest, they are there to manage the institution or the company's public image and uh, work out the least uh, damaging outcome for their employer. And honestly, it's not necessarily that they're not concerned, but they're not equipped. Uh, I'm guessing that that might be the case in many many instances. You you are an HR person. How do you like you investigate a rape? What do you do? You you go and you take fingerprints and like no, you 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 are not equipped to f- actually find out what the truth mm-hmm. is because also sadly when there are not like you know dozens and dozens of uh, accusations, if there is a you know disparate um, 
issue that happened. Most of the times uh, it happened with nobody else there because that's how these things mm -hmm. go. And it's generally hard even for, you know, the police to actually find hard, mm -hmm. hard evidence. The, the, yeah. the poor HR person <laughs> definitely <laughs> cannot investigate the truth. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, also, to be honest, uh, regarding the lack of preparedness of many people in these departments, I think that uh, even in cases that don't, that are not that extreme. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so maybe it's like uh, verbal harassment or just, you know, people being assholes and abusive verbally or maybe physically, but not to the extent that it's rape or battery. Mm -hmm. You you need to, to have a sort of familiarity with uh, patterns of behavior that are toxic to recognize them. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you will probably either defer to the person who you perceive as being in power and maybe vital to the company or the institution, right? Or maybe, I don't know, there might be some cases where you do the other thing, where you think that it might cost you more to not side with the victim, but I don't think that's happening too often. So... As I'm sort of uh, gathering here, um, the public outrage matters. And yeah. that's honestly, that's both very good and very bad because mm -hmm. unfortunately the public outrage might not have anything to do with the truth. Not, sometimes not even when they are actually on the right side. Sometimes not even anything to do with the victim, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that also happens sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, this is... Uh, the part where Applebaum's uh, piece gets uh, slightly weird. Mm. She says, Many highly social people who are good at committees also tend to gossip, to tell stories about their colleagues. Some, both male and female, might also be described as flirtatious, enjoying wordplay and jokes that go right to the edge of what is considered acceptable. What? <laughs> So yeah, I mean, she's she's basically what? trying to to say to gaslight people into saying that <laughs> uh, the rapey uh, professor uh, was uh, just making jokes, man. <laughs> okay. Um, why are you so you know humorless? Um, and uh, you know, it turns out, you dummy, that you were actually being seduced in this very sophisticated manner. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's your fault that you cannot tell the difference between a racy and a racist line. I, mm. Yeah, so um, she continues. Conversations between people who have different statuses, employer, employee, professor, student, can now focus only on professional matters or strictly neutral topics. You know, and uh, she says that this is a bit, this is a bad thing. My personal opinion uh, is that uh, there is something different at hand here uh, because I think uh, some people have become more aware of the fact that their bosses are not their friends. <laughs> <laughs> so 
token signs of concern or friendliness from your superior who casually asks you, how are you doing in the office kitchen, but then denies you a promotion or a raise. These things have sort of led to people becoming disenchanted with the whole, we are all a big family here in the workplace, you know, if they believed it in the first place. Mm -hmm. So there is also the fact that plenty of people in lower positions have suffered plenty of indignities at the hands of their employers or higher ups uh, that have gone unpunished. Uh, And, you know, they think that it's better to limit uh, their small talk to prevent conversations that might veer into unsafe territory. After all, I'd venture to guess there are still more instances of people at the bottom of the hierarchy that are victims of abuses from their superiors than the other way around. I never thought I want to be friends with my bosses or that. I mean, I'm I'm not saying it it can't happen, but uh, I don't really, I don't understand this idea of we are one big happy family. I am at my job. I actually have friends. I don't have any particular need to become friends with my boss i i I don't know anyway (laughs) moving on (laughs) yeah 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 professors used to date and even marry their students colleagues used to drink together after work and sometimes go home together today that can be dangerous (laughs) you know suggesting that in the past it wasn't (laughs) yeah 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 like sure like no nobody got abused or raped in the past Relationships between people with differing statuses uh, never presented any amount of risk before. Yeah, no, 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 I'm sure, I'm sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay. I mean, we know that because there, there's absolutely no risk to it, this is why companies uh, have either like non, uh, I think they're called non-fraternization clauses or something like that. Like uh, you shouldn't date your colleagues. Clauses. Yeah, I, 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 I know. And I, I will, I will uh, accept that I am probably uninformed on, on the subject, but I dislike the idea like so much. Uh, I, <laughs> uh, I was told by, you know, colleagues of mine that uh, work in other countries because I haven't heard of these things in Romania. As much as I know about the corporate environment, because I've only worked in one place that can be labeled as corporate, uh, it's more frequent to just have the clause where you're supposed to announce that you are in a stable relationship with someone if you both work in the company. Yes, yes. But like, what if I just want to fuck somebody and I don't want to (laughs) disclose it? It's not not, none of your fucking business. Uh, I had this conversation with a friend of mine that's a, he's a doctor in England and, uh, well, he, in Romania, he met his wife when they were both be, they were both doctors in Romania and they met in the workplace and they flirted in the workplace consensually and uh, they got married well and then they later moved to United Kingdom and in United Kingdom, they had to attend these like sessions when they were informed about such and such. But he said it was absolutely uh, childish, this thing. I mean, if you are an adult, you should know how to behave and you you should know when you misbehave. And these things about you have to go and tell your boss, I would like... I mean, I just... 
met somebody i would like to see how they are i don't want to declare our relationship because maybe i will hate him after one dinner date because whatever he smells i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i i just yeah no no i don't i i don't think that's the point because i didn't bring this up as a yes this is good thing it's just that companies are sort of aware that things might happen between employees and they put uh, up uh, safeguards for themselves yes because yes, of course if you would just be interested in your employees being fine and okay and you would just think of you know what you can Uh, reasonably do within the workplace to uh, encourage uh, victims to come forward and to discourage any sort of uh, interactions or roles or positions that can give someone uh, too much power over someone else. Mm -hmm. Then we veer into another topic of how can you do that in a corporate environment where everything is very hierarchical and power imbalances are a rule but anyway uh yeah. obviously this whole thing of oh well you i i do declare that this person is someone i'm fucking but like fucking reliably and it's a stable relationship <laughs> so there you go now i'm a good boy or girl uh yeah no i mean but the point uh i was trying to make is that there was never a golden age where no no uh, of course no. The, where where yeah like interactions in the workplace or in institutions between people of different like in different positions did not uh, comport some risk so yeah oh, of course and I, i'm sure that now it's better than it has ever been i am sure mm. of that so okay uh continuing with the article it's not just the hyper social and the flirtatious who have found themselves victims of the new puritanism people who are for lack of a more precise word difficult have trouble too oh. they are haughty impatient confrontational or insufficiently interested in people whom they perceive to be less talented why are they describing us <laughs> uh, no i i mean yeah no here i i i will have to 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 call foul because you are a teacher motherfucker i'm sorry you cannot be you know like i cannot uh, stand this stupid whatever yes yeah, sometimes some students will be stupid and you know what your job description says you gotta teach them anyway <laughs> and you cannot just be like stop being stupid <laughs> yeah I, i i don't know i mean it's this weird uh, idea that oh people don't like assholes <laughs> yeah, <laughs> given yeah. the chance to express their disdain for their behavior they they will do so oh my god that's that's a shocker <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> and uh who, who would have also, thought yeah yeah and also i i'm sorry but i don't get it if you are a confrontational person you know uh who relishes the vigorous exchange of ideas <laughs> shouldn't you be thrilled by people who tell you you're wrong i mean think about it if they call you out and they are willing to debate you then you can sort of flex your debating muscles uh have a confrontation and being the debate king that you or queen that you are yeah. <laughs> emerge victorious right uh-huh and if on the other hand they just tell you to go fuck yourself and don't want to engage with you you can unilaterally came to be both right on the topic and also the victim of of cancel culture which is something that already happens in many such cases anyway so <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why she is complaining on behalf of these people i yeah i don't get it yeah true true that true that 
so she says when people disagree with them, you know, with the difficult people, mm-hmm. they argue back with relish. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Uh, so, you know, there is an arguably thin line, I would say, between defending your position in an argument and being an incentive insensitive prick well it's 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 not that a thin line actually but and and as i said it really does depend because if you are discussing with a colleague then yeah sure you can you you can be an asshole i i i <laughs> you know uh but uh if it is as someone said on twitter bully responsibly <laughs> yeah bully responsibly to- totally but if you, <laughs> if they are your student i'm sorry it's your job you know it's your job mm. it doesn't matter that they don't get it it doesn't matter that, that they are wrong you have to teach them and you they have to understand whatever it is you're trying to freaking teach there and um also i would say that if you, you we're talking about arguing here it's it's also good to sometimes i don't know just for a split second stop and listen to the person who is who you are i don't know arguing with uh before you tell them your argument you know because it often happens that uh, the person wants to be heard and i know we make well not us but i know many people make fun of oh i just want to you know have my Uh, story being listened to i want to be heard and like oh it sounds like such a hippy dippy thing like i want to be heard but yes Mm -hmm. this is psychologically speaking a very important thing to vent to get it off your chest to however you want to call it without you know someone pushing back or questioning you or uh you know making snide comments and then once you did that maybe you're just more prepared to Yes, listen to someone who might say, well, okay, fine, I've listened to you. Uh, You know, I I do have some questions. And do you feel, are you in the mental state or in the emotional state where we can discuss it further? Right, I mean... And also now, um, I just, you know, to say something that is actually bad, but, you know, since we have no listeners, it's fine. Um, (laughs) if, If you... If you hear what the other person has to say, you can also manipulate them better. Oh, <laughs> naughty, naughty, naughty. Yeah, like, like seriously, um, like a couple of weeks ago, I... So this is for the asshole listeners, if you are out there, listen and learn. Yeah, like a, a couple of weeks ago, I had to leave early from my job and I had... Um, uh, one person who was supposed to come over, it, he wasn't coming just for um, our consultation. He also had something that really had to do in the clinic. Um, so I just told the people at the reception desk, please, when they come for whatever else they're coming, inform them that I am not here and I will gladly see them tomorrow when they come for the same thing they can come and see me. And they told me like, this person is really difficult and they will be really pissed when they hear this. And I was like, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the second day, the, the next day I go, I ask and they say, yeah, yeah, he came, he asked, he was pissed. And uh, he said he will definitely uh, be there, you know, as it were today. And I think you will have a difficult conversation. 
So when the, the guy came for the consultation, when he opened the door, I like got out, out of my desk and I went, went to him and I was like, oh, you are Mr. So-and-so. I heard it was really unpleasant for you, the fact that I couldn't be there yesterday. And I'm so sorry about that. I really had a really urgent matter or otherwise I wouldn't have, you know, resorted to this uh, uh, thing. And I really hope I can help you today with whatever it is that you needed. And please let me know if there is anything other I can do for you. And he was looking at me like so shocked. And he was like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, don't worry about it. Yeah. I mean, this, 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 we're not, we're not selling you the secret here. This is very, uh, people can be so lenient with yes. uh, your mistakes if you consider the fact that, yeah, you've made, you fucked yeah, up. You, you or, don't, don't try to guess like them. Yeah. 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 I mean, just, just say you're sorry and mean it. Like, don't be like, mm, okay, I guess I'm sorry. Because, you know, many, many apologies are like, mm, I guess I'm going through the motions saying I'm sorry, but actually you're like, <laughs> yeah, <sighs> it's your feelings, man. Keep, Keep your feelings in check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true, true. You you actually did something. You just, you know, yeah, acknowledge it and you will be surprised. So moving on, on. Applebaum says, the sort of open criticism voiced in front of other people that was once no normal in newsrooms and academic seminars is now as unacceptable as chewing with your mouth open. Oh, if only it were so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the chewing with your mouth open bit, Vlad. Yes, again. yes, yes. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, I think we both can agree that we wish there would be much more of a taboo and, uh, you know, social stigma on chewing with your mouth open. I would, I would like there to be a national set of standards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, I have to say, again, it, this is like hearkening back to some golden age mm -hmm. that presumably was there sometimes. From her accounts, it seems that those who were invisible and powerless until fairly recently are having a say, right? She says this in the beginning of the article and she says that this is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they can now demand accountability for their superiors or colleagues' actions. So what exactly are we saying here? Again, that there was the golden age, but then in that golden age, who was doing the open criticism if these people who are like the downtrodden masses are only now beginning to be heard. Yeah. You know, you tell on yourself that actually it was just open criticism between people who were considered equal among another. So, you know, maybe in the upper echelons of the newsroom, because I don't think the rookie newspaper, I don't know, the guy who was sharpening the pencils could just come into the newsroom and be like, you are a fucking racist asshole because <laughs> such and such as such. I, don't, I think it was just between colleagues who were on par with one another in terms oh, of obviously, their obviously. position. So obviously. Uh, she says, I think people's tolerance for discomfort, discomfort, people's tolerance for dissonance, for not hearing exactly what they want to hear, has now gone down to zero, one person told her. Discomfort used to be a term of praise about pedagogy. I mean, the greatest discomforter of all was Socrates. Oh, bitch, please. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Okay. I mean, yeah, 
I mean, funnily enough, the whole thing can be turned back against her because it seems like the people being called out for some of their hot takes, flirtatiousness and grumpiness, or, you know, whatever she wants to call it, are now sort of ticked off uh, and taken out of their comfort zone by the fact that they don't just receive praise and applause. So, you know, talking about levels of discomfort. And uh, also, I'm sorry, but Socrates, Socrates was yeah <laughs> was very much a bum in terms of the amount of power and influence he had in a city such as Athens. <laughs> so yeah, and 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 also nobody's really sure if Socrates really existed. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But you know, it, again, just sort of uh, going with her argument here, uh, the the Socrates thing. Uh, <laughs> Guess what? Even, you know, according to the legend, according to the story, when he was eventually made to swallow his words, quite literally, yeah. it wasn't the un- unwashed masses no, no, who got no, his no, ass, no, right? It was those in positions of power who were like, oh gosh, darn, this guy might be, you know, inciting the youth to uh, not think so highly of us. So Yes, exactly. Yeah, so this is why I, I was you know, throwing shade in the beginning, because she's supposed to be a historian but like I'm sure she knows this is a bad example but yeah but she also thinks people reading are stupid (laughs) just saying (laughs) Uh, okay so she says it's not wrong to want a more comfortable workplace or fewer grumpy colleagues the difficulty is that the feeling of discomfort is subjective one person's light-hearted compliment is another person's microaggression one person's critical remark can be experienced by another person as racist or sexist jokes wordplay and anything that can have two meanings are by definition open to interpretation yeah that is true but uh, up until now her uh, examples have been of people being accused of rape and sexual misconduct (laughs) (laughs) but focus on the flirtatiousness (laughs) you know yeah sure some people might like to say like whatever bad jokes But that is not what we were, you know, talking about here. The examples were were not about people with a different sense of humor. Yeah, I I think this might be an attempt to muddy the waters again. Because like you said, the the, the concrete cases were, yeah, pretty serious stuff. And this is like, oh, but imagine, imagine that you are having a flirty conversation and a... You think you're being witty and charming, but actually they're like stewing. Oh my God, this person is doing a microaggression on me. (laughs) Oh my God. Again, for some reason, I, a nobody, have to point out basic humaning to some people who are, you know, supposedly big shots. You know, you get to know people and you select friends and you have different levels of, I don't know, jokiness or... Uh, openness in your discourse with different people because come on not i mean we talk differently in front of our mothers grown-ass women that we are yeah yeah, of course it might differ more or less depending on the individual and your relationship with that person but we we modulate our our uh, way of speaking and what we tell people depending on what we feel they might perceive us perceive what we tell right so if you feel like okay well um i've talked to this person and they were i don't know they were offended by something that uh i said and i've listened to them 
I tried to integrate their input, but they're still always misinterpreting what I say. Your personalities don't don't gel. So, you know, if you have to work with them, just keep it as simple, you know, cut the small talk as much as possible. Just keep it very professional. Don't limit the interaction as much as possible. Obviously, you cannot force this. If you don't gel, you don't gel. That's it for today. Uh, unless you have any any other hot takes, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I I don't think it's a hot take. I I just think like um, rape and the uh, sexual harassment and um, I I don't know actually. Uh, actively doing something to hurt your career are real things that should be taken seriously and not, uh, you know, uh, lumped together with somebody was shitty on Twitter and mm-hmm. some lady said something questionable in the one minute pee break from a Zoom conference. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that lumping things together to make a case about cancel culture bad is shit. <laughs> so <laughs> that's my hot take. <laughs> I don't think that anybody who pretends that uh, canceling is something new. I mean, the 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 wording is new, newish. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry. Have we heard about I don't know the Inquisition? Uh, Burning people at the stake as as heretics. (laughs) Yes, like, have we heard about the church since, like, has been a church? Mm -hmm. Was that not a cancellation? Yes, so, you know, people not um, having um, their, you know, opinions heard, people not mattering at all has been a thing since forever. Uh, people being, you know, um, falsely accused or whatever has also been a thing since forever. People having more power than other people. Has, like, what, what pisses me off is this conversation about, like, these kids nowadays. And also, and, and, and also maybe the fact that uh, some things that happen proportionally less than others are somehow more of a problem because they affect you know the good people the flirtatious people whereas things that keep happening to masses and masses of victims they're like yeah yeah sure it's it's good that we're talking about this now but also look at the flirtatious people (laughs) yeah no i mean um it's it's absolutely fine to have a conversation about how having these social media platforms can skew conversations can make uh something that would have otherwise been a somewhat normal comment become something that is insane uh, it comes to mind that thing from like i don't know some years ago the 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 guy uh, with the, the shirt with p- women with, yeah 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 uh, i think some, he was somewhat naked women or astrophysicist yeah yes 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 the fact that that thing has become such a huge topic of conversation when the importance was well small is what made everything insane because 
it was a thing that merited a comment like dude what the fuck are you wearing mm -hmm. but when you have the whole globe being dude what the fuck are you wearing it just is insane mm -hmm. it is yeah but, and, and also uh, the, the the whole globe was sort of split into two camps so it was what the fuck are you wearing dude and the other one mm, he's smart he can do whatever <laughs> so but uh, <laughs> yeah no but i and and i mean the guy uh, I've, i've seen his apology and was one of the people that really struck me as being honest mm -hmm. i mean I don't think you start crying if you're not honestly like, oh, what the fuck? How did this happen? Mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. But I, I think that, uh, you know, what uh, else might uh, be happening uh, in these cases is that uh, for so long, Uh, we haven't had conversations about what's happening at the workplace, in families, in relationships between parents and children, and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, all the all the you know problematic things, or, or the thorny issues, all mm -hmm. the unspoken things, and then we use these I don't know bad takes or whatever the 15 minutes of infamy mm -hmm. uh, to vent. Uh, and I think, uh, like we discussed in a previous episode about all the things that apparently are there as a reaction to something that is uh, like a stimuli or an irritant, but actually they, there is so much background to it that is not directly connected to the thing, but it just triggers a wave and waves and waves and waves of resentment uh, that just come forth. True, so true. Uh, I think th this is this is also the case that we just um, have so many things that we need to talk about and get off our chest that, yeah, these irritants just become a way for us to let it all out. And whether or not this is a good thing or a bad thing, I think it's just a thing. It's happening. So it's definitely a problem that this thing happens in a way that is uncontrollable because mm -hmm. you can start the conversation and you can start it in a, a nuanced way. You can, let's not even say that a lot of people don't do that, but you can start a conversation in a nuanced way in, you know, a, a cool, moderate, let's talk about the issue way. But unfortunately, you cannot then um, guide it or in any way stop it if it snowballs into whatever on Twitter or on Facebook or on. Mm -hmm. And this is the problem that you cannot talk about something that is an issue, but it's a small issue because when it becomes global, it no longer looks like a small issue. Yeah, there are too many uh, things invested in it. And uh... so cancel culture is not new. People have been canceled via the guillotine and <laughs> burned on the... St yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, for, for, for a long, long time. And um, always uh, people with power and people with fame have had their, you know... A way of letting people know what they think and most people have never had that mm -hmm. but also necessarily wanting to also add your opinion about a thing might sometimes be bad you don't always need to have an opinion no on no something. no yeah no you can you can just be like yeah okay i'm moving on <laughs> I think we should uh, I think we should definitely end this conversation because we can go like forever. <laughs> oh yes, I've <laughs> I already finished my tea. So anywho, 
if you enjoy our content and haven't already tuned out, (laughs) (laughs) it would help us a lot if you could give uh, the show a shout out on any social media you might be active on. You can find us on Spotify, YouTube, and now Instagram. We're also on Twitter, in theory, but I always forget to post stuff on there. So yeah, Uh, you'll find links in the channel description to all of these. So go check them out and subscribe and follow us. Yay! Uh, See you around. Bye! Bye!